So let's read first. Jesus said to his disciples. Now we have turned a corner. Jesus has taken on the Pharisees. Jesus has confronted the mutterers in the crowd. Jesus has spoken to the crowd. He has defined, made a definitive line between the heaven and the hell that is to be, all right, in the future. And now he turns and he says, Jesus said to his disciples, to those who choose to walk alongside me, to those who choose to be mine. I have some words for you. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. Things that are called to cause people to stumble. Temptations are bound to arise, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles then said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down, eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what we were called to do. We have only done our duty. Seemingly a, a random uh, spattering of, uh, of verses here. Uh, we could probably preach any length of time on any one of them, right? But there are four things here that will help us, that will challenge us, that will um, um, maybe convict us. And my hope is they will latch hold and they will be a, a kind of a tug on you all week long. All right. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come around these four questions. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, am I leading anyone astray in any way by the way I live my life? Two, am I doing well at forgiving others? How am I doing at this forgiveness thing? Three, am I living by faith? And can anyone tell? Four, Am I serving the Lord out of love, obligation, or to get something for myself? 
These are four challenges we're going to look at in these passages today. All right. So the first one, am I leading anyone astray in any way by how I'm living my life? All right. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Temptations are going to occur. The Greek word here for temptations or for things that cause people to stumble is literally a word picture for the bait stick inside a trap, okay? So do you remember uh, on cartoons, they used to have those, those big uh, teeth growling, you know, teeth things that opened up and there was a thing in the middle and when you stuck the paw, like, ah, clamped down on it, okay? You put the bait on the little thing or the bait on the mousetrap. The word for temptation is literally the click on the mousetrap with the cheese on it, all right? It's the bait stick. It's what draws you to it, all right? But the analogy carries inherently with it, not just the temptation, but a bait stick is always attached to what? The trap. All right, a, 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 a uh, lure, a lure in, 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 the, in the water, all right? When the fish sees it, they see the lure. But what is always on the lure? Hooks. That which will take you from where you are, from where you are supposed to be, from your natural self to a place you aren't supposed to be, a place that will literally take your breath away a place where you cannot survive temptation is not the problem people jesus was tempted right but temptation leads to reaching for gravitating towards getting too close to that which though it looks beautiful might really harm you. But Jesus is saying here, I can talk to you about temptation and about sin all day long. What I want to talk to you about right now is what kind of example you are setting with your words. What kind of example are you setting with your actions? Because if you as a believer, are the type of person who leads someone else towards sin, towards the bait, towards something that would harm them. He says, woe to you. There's enough problems out there, right? Without believers, without God's people, helping others gravitate toward things that will hurt them. That's why he says, you'd be better off with a millstone tied around your neck. Do you know what a millstone is? In the Bible, they had these giant uh, circles with trenches, all right, trenches in them, right? In the Old Testament, they were used as olive presses. We've talked about that, the Gat Shamanim, all right? And they also used them for wheat and, and for barley to crush the grains. And there was this giant circular stone like a wheel. And there was a large stick, a large thing that stuck out. And then they would tie an ox or a mule to it. And it would go around because that's how heavy this was. Human beings couldn't do it. Well, except for Samson, that's where they put Samson after they plucked out his eyes, right? They put him down at the bottom on the millstone, pushing the millstone. That's how heavy this thing is. Jesus says, if you are a believer and you are leading someone away from me and not toward me, I got to get real with you. You'd be better off tying one of those around your neck and jumping in the ocean. 
And we're not talking about sinking slowly. <laughs> we're talking about snap your neck, take you to the bottom in seconds. Jesus ain't playing. I mean, we've talked about this before when we talk about being lukewarm. Revelation chapter three talks about, hey, I, I, we like to say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, shouldn't be lukewarm. You, you shouldn't be hot, you know, be on fire for, no. Jesus is saying, I, I wish you were hot or cold. Either don't talk about me, don't wear my t-shirts, don't even show up in church and go live your life or be all about me. Because if you're in the middle, that's what turns people off. Hypocrisy is why people do not come to church. So the real, Jesus is just, we're, we're getting a, a larger example here. People say, well, Jesus is all about love and la, 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 sunshine. Tie a stick, you know, put concrete boots on and jump off a bridge. So there's some people maybe visiting in church today that are like, I'm not sure about this, Jesus. Sorry. So listen, here's the challenge. What do you mean leading people to sin? I need you to ask yourself, are the words that you're saying on a regular basis bringing people closer to Jesus or causing people to not want anything to do with Jesus? Because you can say things that are hurtful. You can say things that turn people off. You can say things that don't exemplify Christ. You can say things and you say, well, it wasn't that bad. I just, I, it, was a, it, was a, it was a little, it was a little bit dirty, but it wasn't that dirty. Yes, but a little bit dirty leads to a little bit dirtier, leads to a little bit dirtier, leads to, well, it wasn't that revealing. I know. But now it's a little bit more revealing and then a little bit more revealing and then a little bit more revealing until it's unhealthy. Well, we, we, we only made out a little bit and then a little, do I need no description necessary? All right. Are my words, are my actions, are the things that I listen to, the places that I go, the, 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 the things that I do with my life, are they pushing people toward Jesus or pushing people away? Let me, let me, let me do this the other way. There's a lot of people who would say, you know what, Craig, I, I, don't, I don't do anything to, 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 to push people away because I don't do anything at all. Just as bad. Is your lack of action leading someone away. Do you have someone in your life you have absolutely positively had the opportunity to give to, to love on, to speak with, to share Jesus with, and you have not, and they are still to this day going to split hell wide open because you didn't give them the opportunity. You can sin in your silence. Well, Craig, it's just not, not my cup of tea. I'm just not. The day you signed on, it was your tea. The day Jesus chose you and you chose him, it is the only thing. Well, I, I just, I just, I just want to keep the peace. No, you don't. No, you don't. 
You want a lack of conflict. Lack of conflict and peacemaking aren't the same thing. Jesus says outright. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. I know, I know, I know my buddy's drinking a little too much. I know, I know, I got two friends and they're, they're a little way too touchy and lovey-dovey uh, as, as a couple of teenagers. I got a couple of friends who've decided they're going to live together, but it's not my place. Whose place is it? Whose place is it to point at someone and go, if you stick your hand in there, it's going to come off. And then they stick their hand in there and they no longer have a hand and they turn and look at you. Did you know that was going to happen? Why didn't you tell me? Don't you think hell is full of people shouting just that? Did you know? Question number one, only a question that you can answer. Only a question that the Damons and the Chris's and the Tyler's and the Joe's and the Spence, you have to answer for you. Am I leading anyone astray by the way I live my life? Conversely, am I living my life in such a way that leads people toward him? With my words and my actions. Question number two, Am I doing well at this forgiveness thing? Watch yourselves. I mean, he doesn't even, he, he gets through the, I'm going to throw you in the ocean with a big rock hook to you. And then he says, oh, heads up. Watch out for if your brother sins against you, rebuke them. Listen, I love that Jesus doesn't leave room for us to make excuses. He's about to ask us to do something incredibly difficult, but he comes back with what we're going to argue with him about and starts off just taking that out. All right. He's like an incredible lawyer in a courtroom. All right. He gets rid of the argument before the argument can be made. He says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke them. I saw a meme the other day that said how most people read the Bible. Right. And it was a big like three or four paragraphs and it was all scribbled out except for judge not. You ever heard that? You go to somebody that don't you judge me. You judging me. Don't you judge me. No, rebuke is not judgment. You're about to stick your hand in the trap and I grab your hand and pull it out and you say, but I wanted the cheese. That's all right. I want you to have an arm. Again, I've used it a hundred times. If Nug runs out in the street and I go and I grab her and I yank her and it gives her a little bit of whiplash and she gets upset at me, but I wanted to be in the street and then the FedEx truck comes by. Yeah, and I wanted you alive. But I wanted to sleep in that bed. Yeah, but I wanted you whole and not a 15-year-old mommy. So when I yank you out of something you think you want, just say thank you. Why? 
we have got to learn. We have got to learn. We have got to learn to stop managing conflict and start managing to love each other hard. That's when church gets messy. It's also when it gets delicious. Yummy. If they repent, if they repent, forgive them. What if they do it again? Oh, I got that. If they do it seven more times, forgive them. How am I doing at the forgiveness thing? Hey, I can help you out. I can help you out. Is there somebody in your life that when you begin to talk about them, you can't help but walk down this path, even if you don't want to walk down this path, you can't help but walk down this path that, that, that is just that just makes you want to clench your fists, that just makes you want to want to grit your teeth, that just, you can't help it. You don't want to gossip. You don't want to belittle them. But at the end of the day, you can't even talk about the things that they do, love them or hate them, without it just getting bitter, without bitterness welling up in your heart. If you know what I'm talking about right now, you're probably struggling with the forgiveness thing. We don't want to hear this, but forgiveness I read this, I read this today and I love it. Forgiveness entails absorbing the pain. Absorbing the pain caused you so that it is no longer releasable. It, it, it isn't there. Here's the thing. If you're a believer, that pain is absorbed into the Christ in you. It is absorbed into what the cross did for you. It is absorbed by the blood of the lamb. It is inside and gone, separated like our sins from the east to the west. We just have to give it to God. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Forgive because he forgave you. It is limitless inside you. It is not about seven or 70 times seven. Jesus says you're missing the point. It is about I did so you can. But it, it, it hurts. Yes, but you can absorb the pain. And you just find yourself free. You find yourself full. You find yourself joyful. Why? Because the bitterness is gone. Forgiveness. Is a, is a nightmare emotionally. Anybody? People been through divorces, anybody? People been through struggles, anybody? People been hurt by a parent, abused by someone, physically, emotionally, sexually. It, it, yeah, forgiveness is a beast, but so was the Via Dolorosa. That would be the road to Calvary. Come back saying, I repent and grant them what God granted you. You must forgive them. Am I doing well at forgiving others? Listen to me. I know that you don't want to hear this, but that is not my job. 
My job is not telling you what you want to hear. My job is telling you what you need to hear. And this is one of the hardest things to grab hold of in our Christianity. That's why Jesus is talking to disciples and not bystanders right now. He's giving the hard stuff to the people who have said, I'm in. You're receiving forgiveness is directly correlated to your ability to offer it. Your ability to receive forgiveness is directly correlated to your ability to offer it. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who have been forgiven little, love little. That's Luke 7, 47. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive those against us. They're directly related. And it has nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with you. And your comprehension, your understanding, your desire to be forgiven and then to forgive. When your cup is full, you are able to pour. How am I doing at the forgiveness thing? Am I living by faith and can anyone tell the apostles when they heard the forgiveness thing and they'd been with Jesus they're like ah you know eh, this is this is this is difficult in fact it may be nearly impossible so they know they know what to cry out for okay God this okay but make my faith increase me you know have you ever heard anybody says I'm just not as good a man as you I'm just not as good a person as you I'm just not as strong a Christian as you wait let me let me let me blow your mind no such thing. Cool Craig, uh, Billy Graham, he had, he had the same thing you have. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you tracking here? Gee, there is not, it's impossible to get some of God. It is impossible to invite just the fingertips of Jesus into your heart. When you receive God, you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive Jesus into your life, you got it all. You have it all. That's why Jesus says, listen, with the faith of a mustard seed, one of the tiniest of seeds that produces one of the largest of plants. And then Jesus comes up with an analogy that's just ridiculous. In one, it's moving a mountain. Say that the mountain moves, and the mountain moves. In this one it is, tell that tree to be uprooted and plant itself in the sea, and it will do it. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, your, your faith doesn't increase or decrease with the task at hand. The same amount of faith can move a mountain or can move your son or can change your daughter or can change your spouse or can bring you forgiveness. When you got me, you got all of me. I just need you to tap in. Stop trying to do it on your own. We are measurable, right? Height, 
weight, amounts, deadlines, financial numbers. We want things measurable. Listen to me. God is immeasurable. God is timeless. God is boundless. Powerful doesn't describe him. He just is. So what he's saying is no matter how big or small or strange or powerful the task, you have within you all that you need. And the mustard seed of me is eternally more powerful than anything you can describe. Did you, did you see the pictures this week? from the new satellite. Did you see the photographs? The one with the, the star in it that has, you know, looks like the star of Bethlehem pictures we always see and then all of the stuff around it. That star is in our solar system, right? The one star. Everything else in that photo is not a star. It's a galaxy. Every other spot in that photo is a galaxy. And that's one picture facing one direction. You can't fathom. This mustard seed is not about tiny or big. It's like that old, it's, it's like the old, the, the, the old joke. Uh, uh, a man asked God, he says, God, how, how long is a million years to you? And God says, well, only a second. God, how much is millions of dollars to you? Only a penny. And the guy thought for a minute and said, well, then God, can I have a penny? And God said, in a second. <laughs> you can't understand. But Jesus is saying, he's saying, there's no other way for me to put this. All of the things that I'm asking you to do and be, I have given you all that you need to do them in the most minute sense, you have more power than you can imagine. So the question now is, how's your faith? Do you not just believe that, do you believe it in action? So that's why I phrased the question this way. Am I living by faith and can anyone tell? Is your faith stronger as you stand over the casket of someone you love? Is your faith stronger when God asks something of you that you do not want to give? Is your faith stronger when it comes time to pay the cell phone bill or the tithe? Is your faith stronger when somebody asks you to serve two weeks in kids ministry or with middle schoolers instead of one? Is your faith stronger when your fellow employees are everything but what you need? and you find your forgiveness running thin, am I living by faith? And can anyone tell? Am I serving the Lord out of love, obligation, or to get something for myself? If you have a servant who's plowing or looking after sheep, when the servant comes in from the field, does the servant go, hey, master, let's go, let's go have our meal now? No, the servant doesn't say that. He'd get fired or executed or something. But no, he's going to come in and he's going to say, hey, um, I, I am going to get my supper and I'm going to get your supper and I'm going to wait on you. And if I have to wait on you while I am eating and drinking, then that's how I will wait on you. And if I can't wait on you while I eat, then I will wait till after you're done to eat. And then will the servant be thanked because that's what the servant expects? No. It's the servant's job. The servant serves. That's what he does. 
What do you do? What do you do? I, I, I focus on these three things all the time because that's, that's where our church is. Time, talent, tithe. I say it at Coffee and Covenant. I say it on Sunday mornings uh, every other month. Uh, why do you decide to give your time to the church, to give your talent to the church, to serve the church and give to the church? Why do you do that? Do you do that because Craig said so? That's a... That's a uh, mm. I gotta be careful what I say here. That's a really bad reason. Okay? It's a really bad reason. Do you do it because do you do it because it, it, you know that if you give on the other side of that, God is gonna bless you somehow? I'm not talking about, you know, fancy uh, um, you know, preaching that you put your thousand dollars in there and you're sowing a seed and you God's gonna give you twenty, ten, twenty, hundred thousand dollars. No, I'm not saying that. But in the back of your mind, if any of y'all drop that thing in the box up here and gone, it'll be okay, God's gonna bless me. Don't think for a minute that I haven't been faithful with my tithe, but that there aren't times when I drop that in there or when it's been a good week and I drop it in there and I throw my shoulders back a little bit and I drive around and I see the Powerball like 10 million and I'm like, hmm, made a good gift this week. Maybe I ought to buy one. God wants to bless me. Why y'all laugh? Every one of y'all be laugh. No, you've thought it. it no, can, and nobody's thought something like that. I, I got to pay my bill, but I gave, so God's going to cover me. I'm... Anybody? Am I just naked up here? I haven't not by myself. We do it, don't we? Maybe we're good because we know God's going to be good to us, you know? Also a poor reason. You come to church because it's what you do. I mean, let's, let's get real. If I wanted to nail all of us, almost all of us, that'd be it. What's today? Sunday. Where do we go? Church. Get in the car. At what point did we forget how much he loves us? How much he did for us? And we can't get when it, you can't wake up early enough, get to the car fast enough, get in the church building quick enough, get to the altar fast enough, sing a song loud enough, give enough where, where to go. How deeply are you serving God out of love? That's the question. How deeply are you serving God out of love? Why are you doing what you're doing? This is the question I need resounding in your head this week. Why are you doing what you're doing? Christians, believers, church members, we need you. The answers to these four questions, listen to me, will fill these boxes. The answer to these four questions will fill these pews. The answer to these four questions will continue to fill the kingdom. They will. Am I leading anyone astray by the way I live my life? Am I doing well at forgiving others? Am I living by faith that people can see? And am I serving the Lord out of love? Or is it obligation, schedule, or just because I might get? 
I can't answer those questions for you, but I have to answer them for me. Let's pray. Father, with each thing that I choose to do over the next several weeks, make me incredibly aware of my words, my facial expressions, my actions, my choices, and cover them with wisdom and understanding as to whether those things are drawing me closer to you or pulling me further from you, and then make me keenly aware of the students, of the men, of the women, of the strangers who are near me, that they might see Jesus in my actions. Increase my faith in you. Pour out forgiveness from me, from the forgiveness that you have offered me when I deserve it none. And teach me to love those who love me, obey my commands. God, let me serve you and sing to you and preach for you and come to you out of love. In Jesus' name, amen.